to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Lord, we praise you for this opportunity to come together in one mind and one accord. Lord, we ask that you speak to us. Help me to minister this message Tailor it, make it specific and intimate to every individual under the sound of my voice. Empower, enable, and strengthen me to deliver this message as you have delivered it to me. Lord, I take no ownership or authorship or credit because I know that every good and perfect gift comes from above. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the praise, all the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Give the Lord some praise. I want to talk to you today from the subject, when people let you down. I want to talk to you about those times in your life when people let you down. When those people that you love, those people you confide in, those people you count on, those people you depend on, don't live up to expectations, don't show up when you need them to show up, don't support you, talk about you, betray you, turn on you. I wanna talk about those unpleasant, uncomfortable, heart-wrenching times when those people closest to you let you down. I'm sure that everyone has been let down by someone at some point. Let's get this out of the way. If you've been let down by someone, just go ahead and raise your hand. The rest of you are really bad at making friends. You must not talk to anybody. (laughs) You must be the biggest introvert that I've ever known or experienced in my life. Because if you have relationships with people, they let you down. People letting you down is not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. Every person is flawed. Those on stage, they're flawed. Those sitting next to you, they're flawed. Those with perfect, perfect teeth, they're flawed. Those whose hair just falls in the right place, they're flawed. Everyone is flawed, and so every relationship you establish will come with some degree of disappointment. Even if he's your knight in shining armor, even if she's your queen, every relationship you establish will come with some degree of disappointment. People letting you down is an unavoidable fact of life. Jesus is the sinless son of God. For 33 years, he lived among us and he never sinned against anyone. Yet he consistently experienced relational letdowns. Jesus was unfairly and unharshly, and harshly, not unharshly, unfairly and harshly criticized by his peers. Jesus was called a liar and a fake and a sellout. Jesus was called a glutton 
and a drunk and a demon-possessed individual. Jesus was betrayed by one of his closest friends. Jesus was denounced by another close personal friend. All of Jesus' disciples were absent during the most painful moments of his life. Jesus never did anything to warrant people letting him down. He never let anyone down. Yet, those around him consistently let him down. People are going to let you down. They're not going to live up to your expectations. They're not going to do what they should do. They're not going to be there all the time. People are going to let you down. Some intentionally, some unintentionally. It's a fact of life. But how you respond to and address relational letdowns will influence the course of your life. How you deal with and get past those times when people let you down will influence the course of your life. Let me give you three negative side effects that often occur as a result of a relational letdown. Number one is a hard heart. One person said the funny thing about the heart is a soft heart is a strong heart and a hard heart is a weak heart. How does our heart become hard? When someone says or does something that wounds us, when someone mistreats us, when someone neglects us, when someone talks about us and those wounds don't heal appropriately, it leads to our heart becoming hard and calloused. How do you know when you have a calloused, hard heart? You act callous toward other people. Did you know that some of the most ill-mannered, ill-tempered, hateful, arrogant, Prideful people have just been wounded and those wounds never healed the way they were supposed to. They're calloused and they act calloused toward others. Some of you have a hard heart. Some of you have a calloused heart and that's why you can't excel. That's why you can't thrive in your relationships. Because every time someone gets close to you, you end up wounding them just like somebody wounded you. One person said it this way, hurt people hurt people. So one side effect of a relational letdown is a hard heart. Another side effect is a prideful spirit. When people let us down, we have a tendency to have the mindset, I'm not going to depend on anyone. I can do it myself. I'll figure it out. I don't need nobody. Just me and Jesus. We're going to be all right. No, you and Jesus are not going to be all right. Jesus looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. You and Jesus are not going to be all right. You need other people in your life. So whenever people let us down, we have the tendency to say we're going to refuse to depend on others. And when we refuse to depend on others, it leads to an exaggerated amount of self-dependence and an exaggerated amount of self-dependence cultivates a prideful spirit. Everybody needs somebody. 
Everybody needs somebody to vent to. Everybody needs somebody to confide in. Everybody needs somebody to encourage them. Everybody needs somebody to build them up. Everybody needs somebody to pat them on the back. Everybody needs somebody. Recognizing that humbles us, but ignoring it makes us proud. Say this with me. I need help from others. If that tastes bitter coming out of your mouth, if that's hard for you to say, then you're at risk of developing a prideful spirit. And I guarantee you, if that's hard for you to say, it's because somebody somewhere lets you down and you adopted this mentality that you could do it by yourself and you didn't need help from anybody and you didn't need assistance from anybody and it cultivated a prideful spirit. The third side effect that often comes when people let us down is a revengeful attitude. When, when people let us down... Anger and bitterness abides in our heart. And if it stays long enough, it produces a revengeful attitude. Some of you may be thinking, I don't have a revengeful attitude. I'm not seeking revenge against anyone. I'm mad about it, but I'm not seeking revenge. I'm bitter about it, but I'm not seeking revenge. I'm resentful as the day is long, but I am not seeking revenge. Did you know that you can have a revengeful attitude without personally seeking revenge? Let me break that down for you. If you relish in someone else's pain, you have a revengeful attitude. If you rejoice in someone else's misfortune, you have a revengeful attitude. If you see someone else's crisis as them getting what they deserve, then you have a revengeful attitude. Do you have bitterness in your heart? Do you have anger in your heart? Do you have resent resentment in your heart? Do you have a revengeful attitude? The problem with having a revengeful attitude is it diminishes our own quality of life. Alexander Pope said, to live angry is to revenge the faults of others on ourselves. When you live angry, you can't have joy. When you live angry, you can't have peace. When you live angry, you can't have contentment. When you live angry, you can't have fulfillment. The person that hurts you has went on with their life. They've got married. They got a new job. They had kids. And you are seething in anger. And you don't even realize the only person you're hurting is you. Bitterness does the same thing. Someone suggested that bitterness is like acid. It can do more damage to the container in which it is stored than the object on which it is poured. When you are bitter and resentful, you're not hurting the person that hurts you. You're hurting yourself. Having a revengeful attitude is diminishing your quality of life. You are ruining relationships. You are ruining jobs. You are ruining opportunities. You are ruining blessings all because you are seething with a revengeful attitude. So when people let us down, we can develop a hard heart, a prideful spirit. We can develop a revengeful attitude. So what I want to do for the remainder of this sermon, are you ready? Do I still have you? Is I want to teach you to pray two prayers that will help you to avoid those negative side effects. You ready? Number one. This is fun. God, help me to live with a thicker skin. 
I felt the Lord. Felt the presence of the Lord. Let, just let that settle for a minute. Selah. I don't know what that means, but they say it after the Psalms all the time. Selah. Actually, it means pause. It's a break in the music. Pause. Selah. Live with a thicker skin. I'm sure you already know this, but in our world, in our society, people are way too easily offended. You don't even have to do it on purpose anymore. You don't have to be mean or rude or malicious. You can offend people accidentally, inadvertently, unintentionally. You're just going on about your business, smiling with every tooth in your head, thinking you're being as sweet as a jolly rancher and you are offending everybody around you. I've never seen a time like this in my life. Oh, it's so hard to be around some people because they're offended by everything. They're offended if I shake their hand. They're offended if I don't shake their hand. If I shake their hand twice, they're offended. If I don't shake their hand at all, they're offended. They're offended at everything. Listen, let me give you an example. As a pastor, I do my very best to make sure I greet everyone that comes through the door. I really know how important it is for you to feel welcome here, for you to feel comfortable here. I know how important it is for me to make sure you know that we are concerned about what's going on in your life, that you are not just a number on a sheet of paper, that you are not just a notch in our belt, that you're not just a, a person in the crowd, that we are concerned about you. And so I, I make an effort to shake people's hands. I make an effort to speak to people. But there's a lot of people here. And I probably missed somebody today. Oh, I know I missed. I see some of your faces. I'm recognizing them. Yeah, I miss some of you. I miss some of you. But every now and then somebody I miss gets offended. I'm mad. Just mad. They convinced themselves that I was sending some hidden agenda, some hidden message, some subliminal message. They convinced themselves that I did it with malicious intent that I just purposely did not shake their hand, just purposely didn't speak to them, just purposely left them out. And you know what? I used to beat myself up over it. I used to go home and, and condemn myself and criticize myself and I would be in a bad mood for the rest of the day. But you know what? I learned as long as I have a clear conscience, I'm doing the best I can. Now, if I'm ignoring conviction, that's one thing. But if I have a completely clear conscience and I know that I'm doing my best, I realize now there are people in my life that are going to be offended no matter how many hoops I jump through, no matter what I try to do for them, no matter how I try to help them. And I'm not going to waste my time and energy trying to please someone who refuses to be satisfied and content in their life. I am so sorry if you were offended because I didn't get to you. But guess what? Chances are there's going to be another time when I don't get to you. People are just way too easily offended. You know what we need to learn in the body of Christ? We need to learn that it is godly wisdom to overlook an offense. Did you know that? Look at Proverbs 19 11. Proverbs 19 11. 
The NIV says this. A person's wisdom yields patience. Wise people are patient people. I'm just going to let you do the inverse of that, okay? Wise people are patient people. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. See, because the world teaches us that it's to our glory not to let anybody disrespect us. You must not know who I am. You can't speak to me like that. You don't know how favored and blessed I am. That's what our society teaches us. But God says it's to your glory to overlook an offense. The Hebrew word for overlook is a bar, which literally means to pass over. It is godly wisdom to overlook or pass over the opportunity to be offended. It's godly wisdom to give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they didn't see you. Maybe they didn't notice you there. It's godly wisdom to assume that that Facebook post wasn't about you. It's godly wisdom to expect the best of people. They didn't mean it that way. Maybe I just heard it the wrong way. I'm sure they didn't make me feel that way on purpose. I'm sure they didn't leave me out. I'm sure they just accidentally left my name off. I'm sure they meant to invite me. I'm sure they meant to include me. It's godly wisdom to overlook or pass over an opportunity to be offended. So here's the next question. When's the last time you resisted the opportunity to be offended. Can I tell you why some of you are so, so tired? So, so tired. You're so tired because you fight every battle you have an opportunity to fight. Oh, it's exhausting. You're like a show on TBS. You love drama. You love it so much that people step away from you because you don't only exhaust yourself, you exhaust everyone around you. The people sitting next to you, they're not going to tell you, but they're just tired because you're always fighting some battle, always offended at something, always upset at something. When's the last time you resisted the opportunity to be offended? I could have let it bother me, but I didn't. I could have let it upset me, but I didn't. I could have let it frustrate me, but I didn't. I could have let it ruin my day, but I didn't. I could have let it ruin that friendship, but I didn't. I could have took it personally, but I didn't. I could have took it to heart, but I did Have you ever done that in your life? Some of you are researching right now through the library in your brain. Have I ever done that in my life? See, if you haven't or you don't do it often, then you have thin skin. And what's the problem with having thin skin? Everything penetrates our skin and wounds our heart. People can offend you accidentally, unintentionally, inadvertently, because you take everything to heart. You take everything to heart. Your heart is repeatedly wounded, which means it's only a matter of time before it becomes hard and callous. Which is why God sent you here today for me to tell you that you need to pray, Lord, give me a thicker skin because if you don't develop a thick skin, you will develop a hard heart. If you don't develop a thick skin, you're going to walk away from everything that God has in store for you. Amen? Andy, turn us on some air in here. Anybody else warm? I'm a little warm. Please, Jesus, turn on some air. 
Gary's usually here, so he takes care of that. Don't put that on Facebook. It's already out there. So we'll keep going. You need to develop thick skin because if you don't, you're going to walk away from what God has for you. A perfect illustration of this is Naaman. Naaman was a leper and he traveled from Syria to Israel. He traveled to Elisha's house to be healed of his leprosy. Elisha sends out a messenger to talk to Naaman. Elisha's messenger says, if you want to be healed, here's all you got to do. Go dip seven times in the Jordan River. But Naaman thought this was degrading, demeaning, humiliating. Because the Jordan River was a dirty, polluted, contaminated river. You know what a straight pop is? They had straight pops back then too. So there's a lot of stuff floating in the Jordan River you didn't want to swim with. And Naaman is directed to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. And he was offended at this. They don't know who I am. They need to treat me better. They need to treat me with more dignity. I'm a man that commands respect. They don't know how much money I have and what I've accomplished and what I've achieved. I know everybody in this county. They can't speak to me like that. And the Bible says Naaman was angry and he was walking away. Naaman was walking back to Syria offended. He was about to miss out on his healing, on his miracle, on his breakthrough, on his deliverance, on his freedom. Why? Because he was offended. And if it hadn't been for a servant that talked some sense into Naaman, he'd have missed out on what God had in store for him. And that's where some of you are. Honestly, I know this is not going to make you shout. I know this is not going to be the kind of message that invokes an emotional response. But the Lord told me to tell you that some of you are in danger of walking away from what he has in store for you because your emotions and your feelings have got in the way. You are ruining relationships that God has established. You are ruining jobs that God gave you. You're shutting doors that God has opened your sabotaging opportunities that God has presented to you and it's all because you're offended it's time you develop some thick skin it's time you develop some thick skin because you can't accomplish your destiny without it do you know that the more God blesses you the more successful God makes you, the more he increases your influence and expands your platform, the more people are going to talk about you. All you got to do for people to talk about you is have something, accomplish something, say something, achieve something. Do this for me. Go home and Google any well-known worship team, church, or minister. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find an endless list of articles that call them sellouts and fakes and compromisers and wicked and sinful. And it makes me so mad that some naive Christians just eat that junk up. Don't you realize they were saying the same things about Jesus? Well, it's on the internet, so it must be true. The church, the church leaders were telling Jesus he was a fake. He was a sellout. 
a friend of sinners. He was a compromiser. He was a demon-possessed individual. So I say all that to say this. You're saying, God bless me, but if he blesses you, it's going to come with criticism, and you can't right now handle the criticism that it would invoke in your life. So if you're going to accomplish your destiny, you're going to have thick skin. Amen? Amen. Second prayer, are you ready for this? Second prayer, God help me to have a softer heart. See, this works together so good because if you have thick skin, you can say, God, give me a soft heart because your thick skin protects your soft heart. I can have a soft heart because I got a thick skin. And my thick skin keeps things like anger and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness out of my heart. We need to have a soft heart. We're called to love God and love people. You can't do either without a soft heart. We got to care about people. And the only way we can care about people is if we have a soft heart. Does it do anything to you when you see someone in need? Does it bother you at all when someone's going hungry? When there's kids that may not have a good Christmas? When you see somebody standing on the side of the road? See, our world can make us so cynical sometimes. So cynical. We're suspicious of everyone. And that's why you don't do anything for anyone. Because you're always looking at it in a negative light. You're always looking at it in a negative lens. What's she going to buy with that? What's he going to drink if I give him that? What's he going to smoke if I give him that? You're not going to do anything for anybody ever. Don't let people make you jaded. Yeah, there are some bad people out there. But there are some good ones too. Did you know sometimes that we entertain angels? The Bible said, be careful to entertain strangers, for some have entertained angel, angels unaware. So I would rather treat a hundred people better than they deserve to be treated than to treat an angel worse than they deserve to be treated. See, I'm okay with getting it wrong. I'm okay. We're getting it wrong. I'm okay with you taking my money and spending it the wrong way because all I've got to do is do what the Lord told me to do and what you do with it is on you. So take my $10, take my $10 and buy a pack of cigarettes when you said you needed a loaf of bread. That's on you, not on me. It's on me to keep a soft heart, to not let bad people change who I am. I'm a good, generous person and no matter how many bad people I run into, I'm not going to let my experience with them change who I am. Amen. Give the Lord some praise. I want to show you one more verse. Luke 23, 34 says this. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and they parted his raiment and cast lots. Jesus was on the cross. He was on the cross in more pain than anyone has ever experienced. What was on his mind? Father, forgive them, 
for they know not what they do. In this one verse, Jesus embodied everything that I'm talking about today. Jesus had been let down by everyone around him. The crowds that used to cry, Hosanna, were now crying, crucify him. His disciples that said, we'll go with you even unto death, we'll be your ride or die. They deserted him in a moment. Judas betrayed him. Peter acted like he didn't even know him. And here Jesus is hanging on the cross, let down by everyone that was supposed to be there for him. Everyone that was supposed to support him. Everyone that was supposed to to encourage him and he could have became angry and malicious and mean and cynical he could have rained down fire from heaven and devoured everyone wiped everyone out which is what some of us would have done but Jesus doesn't do that Jesus displayed what it means to have a thick skin even though people were being extremely offensive he refused to be offended I take pride in the fact that it's hard to offend me. I take pride in it, and I want to get better at it. People worry sometimes that maybe they bothered me or hurt me or offended me, but I tell them all the time, you got to go out of your way to offend me. You're going to have to do it on purpose if you're going to do it. You're not going to do it accidentally. You're not going to do it unintentionally because I make sure that I'm hard to offend because I know that it's godly wisdom to overlook an opportunity to be offended. So Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, I'm going to show you that I have more love than you have hate. I'm going to show you that I have more love than you have anger. I'm going to show you that I have more love than you have maliciousness. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus displayed a thick skin. He also displayed a soft heart. He prayed for those that were crucifying him. It's hard for you to pray for the cashier at McDonald's when she gets your order wrong. It's hard for you to pray about the person talking about you on Facebook. And if you do pray, it's one of these prayers, God, give them what they deserve. Rain down fire from heaven. God, justify me in all of my ways. That's not praying for them. Jesus prayed for people that were crucifying him. Jesus forgave people that were crucifying him before they were finished crucifying him. You know how you keep a soft heart? Forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. As soon as it comes to you, let it go. As soon as it comes to you, release it. Did you know that Jesus told Peter to forgive seven times 70 a day? Seven times 70, that's 490. If you sleep eight hours, that's 16 hours. 490 divided by 16, that's about 30 times an hour, which comes down to about one time every two minutes. Jesus told Peter, listen, I want you to forgive people so quick that you're capable of doing it one time every two minutes. You know one thing that I've always found interesting about that passage of Scripture? I told Jesus one time, I said, Lord, if somebody offends me 490 times and comes and asks for forgiveness 490 times in one 24-hour period, I don't think they're that sincere in their apology. 
if they offend me and ask for my forgiveness and I give them my forgiveness and then 120 seconds later do something again that offends me. I don't think they're that sincere in their apology. You know what the Lord said? The Lord said it's not about their sincerity. I told you to forgive. I don't care whether they mean it or not. I don't care whether they're honest about it or not. I don't care whether they're upfront about it or not. I ask you to forgive because forgiveness is not about them. It's about you. That's why you got to forgive people that didn't ask to be forgiven. You got to forgive people that never apologized to you because you got some things in your heart right now that keep your heart from being soft. So in order to have a soft heart, you got to forgive those that hurt you and those that betrayed you and those that weren't there for you and those that didn't support you. You got to let it go. Take, take a page out of Elsa's book and just let it go. Give the Lord some praise. Come on up to the music. Those of you who are being baptized, you can meet Ted in the back at this time. That Elsa commentary, that come from Kenley, my four-year-old little girl. We watch Elsa a lot. Carrie's singing what a beautiful name it is in the kitchen, and she's running through the bathroom singing, let it go, let it go. Cold never bothered me anyway. All right, you ready for an altar call? If you're saved here today, make some noise. If you're lost, make some noise. I know nobody ever makes any noise, but I'm trying to identify my target audience. If you're here today and you're lost, I want you to know that there's only one person who will never let you down. And it's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your parents. It's not your children. There's only one person who will always be there for you. Who will always have your best interest in mind. There's only one person who will never have a hidden agenda or an ulterior motive. There's only one person who will know every ugly part of your life, every scar, every wound, every damaged place, and still love you. Ironically, the person that you've let down the most is the only person who will never let you down. Everybody needs somebody person you need the most is Jesus Christ you need a friend that sticks closer than a brother you need someone who knows everything about you but still doesn't despise you you need someone who can love you not according to your performance but according to your position not because of what you did but because you are his son or daughter. You need someone, Kenley, go now. You need someone, pray for me, y'all. Pray for me. This is still on Facebook. 
this has been a rough service for me. You need someone who will always be there for you to confide in. Who's always listening. Who understands what you're going through. Because a lot of people say they know where you're at and what you're going through. And they don't. But the Bible said that Jesus was tempted in all manner, in all areas. We have, we have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. So if you're here today and you're lost, would you come to Jesus? Did you know heaven and hell is all about who you know? Jesus will either say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. But heaven and hell doesn't come up, heaven and hell doesn't come down to what you smoked, or who you slept with, or what you was addicted to, or what you stole, or how many times you cussed, or how good you looked in your suit, or how often you paid your tithes. Heaven and hell come down to who you know. See, people get it twisted. They think you keep the commandments and then you fall in love with Jesus. But that's not how it works. You fall in love with Jesus and then you keep the commandments. Thank you for listening to the Redemption Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's message. For more great messages, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music and leave us a rating and review while you're there. For more information, please visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash redemptionky.